I want to thank Mark very much for inviting me, or Dave here. I tried to give Dave a hug, but he froze, and uh, I realized he's not a hugger. But uh, it's good to be here. I'm not going to say anything about the association. I think Paul has done a great job. Uh, but I just want to say one thing. I just want to say thank you very much for your support of the association prayerfully and financially down through the years. Windsor has always been part of the association's life. And all I want to say is that I come from this area, South Belfast. In fact, this morning, when you get old, you start to reminisce. And so I drove up Donegal Avenue. I was born in 222 Donegal Avenue. The house is still there. There's no plaque, but the house is still, <laughs> the house is still there. <clears throat> I come from a, a non-Christian secular world. Didn't do church didn't do Sunday school in the main. So this was a new world in relation to church. I'd gone off to, and I went off to Old Trafford and came back seven months later, very homesick. I'm an only child. And as a result of that, just a year or two down the track, I got converted to Christ, which was totally revolutionary from that secular world. It wasn't an ethnic world around here then, just across the tracks there, the train tracks. A very working class world, hard working world, people went to church in the main. And I know that has vastly changed. And I walked into Great Victoria Street Baptist Church. In fact, a girl brought me, not my wife, but that's another story. <laughs> I don't turn out good there. But I went to that church, and you know what? People like Joshua Thompson embraced the likes of Linda and I when we got married. And so did Roy McMullen and so did James Greenwood, who I remember from this church, who made an impact on our lives. But you've got to realize as I walk into this church, I don't know Baptists. As far as I'm concerned, they're weird. And after 50 years, I've been proved true. But you know what? They dressed up lovely, and I'm from this ordinary world, and this is, wow, what's this all about? But you know what? They embraced me. They encouraged me. They supported me in every way possible. And I sort of think, I just want to say, there may be a few other Freddie McLaughlins who live around here, live around Donegal Avenue, they don't even do the boys' brigade like I did. And there's sort of not many people reaching them. And I'll encourage you that while you deal with the world and the Malone roadside, think about this. I know you are. No Mark's doing stuff. But that's, I'm very thankful to God as I drove up Donegal Avenue saying, thank you, Lord, for Great Victoria Street Baptist Church. Thank you for the associated churches who reached us with the gospel. But there was a, 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 a term that really struck me, and it was last May. And this term was involved in a magazine, and it said this, do we suffer from revival amnesia? As I went into that particular shop, I picked up this magazine, I paid for it, and I started to think about revival. 
And I want to ask this question today. Have we biblical grounds for praying for revival? Is it just something sentimental? Is it just something archaic? Is it just something that goes back into our past? Or is it something that is biblical and theological and something <clears throat> that we need to seek? But you say, Freddie, what is revival? Well, revival represents the powerful work of the Holy Spirit in which there is recovered, hopefully this will come up in the slide, and where there is a new awareness of the holiness of God, conviction of sin that leads to repentance. And it also is followed by times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. That's a brief definition of revival. And when I did go to Great Victoria Street Baptist Church, and Mr. Burr, a fresh awareness, a fresh awakening of the Spirit of God in the church and on our province. And I'm asking the question, like that magazine asked the question, have we got revival amnesia? Have we somehow been selective and overlooked something that took place in our world on occasions and on this province and in Ireland. Historically, our world has known the outpouring of God's Holy Spirit at particular times and particular seasons, awakenings where people have been made aware of the glory of God and the holiness of God, and they have felt their sinfulness, and they have known refreshing times from God. And if we understand the times we're living in, I think we could say, perhaps we need to pray for that today. There may be a clue there that as we perceive and look at the world that we're facing and the wind that's against us in so many ways, I don't think it's a cop-out to say, might be a good time to think about praying and seeking for revival. God favored America in 1740 under Jonathan Edwards. He calls it, they call it still, the Great Awakening. Here in Northern Ireland was the 1859 revival, in Wales, 1904, and we could go on. So historically and geographically, God moved, and he awakened his church because it was slumbering. I wonder where we're at this morning. But the question is, have we biblical grounds? Well, you've said historical grounds, geographical places, but have we biblical grounds, theological bases for seeking for revival? I would maintain yes. I believe what we have Old Testament and New Testament passages that describe these unique occasions when God most feel the context here in Psalm 85 describes the Jews returning from exile in Babylon. They'd been 70 years in captivity and they were returning back to freedom. And if that's the case, the psalmist sees the need. He looks at them, he thinks about their past, and he says, 
Verse 6, will you not revive us? Will you not revive us again so that your people might rejoice in you? Life needed to be revitalized. Physically, mentally, emotionally, morally, spiritually. They needed to experience God in a unique way. They'd been doing the same old, same old. They'd been in captivity. Now they're free. Hardly will they handle their freedom. And he said, Lord, will you not revive us? Three things. One, they recall God's favor in the past. That's how they look upon revival. They recall the favor of God in the past. Verse 1 to 3. They pray and he prays, calling to mind God's grace to their mothers and fathers and their ancestors. They go down memory lane like I did this morning and they reflect and they recall the past. And they say, thank you, God, for the past. And here in verses 1 to 3, there are six verbs used to describe God's awakening grace even when they were in exile and when their ancestors were in the wilderness and even in Egypt. Verse 1, he says, Lord, you've been favorable to me. That's what I said this morning, just across the road. Lord, you've been favorable to me in the last 50 years. There's been a legacy Men and women who have touched my life, whom I've mentioned, and we're thankful to God for them. They were aware how God had looked upon his people Israel, accepting them and favoring them. Yes, they had stuff happening to them. Stuff happened to their families. Stuff happened in their lives that could have crippled them and denied them freedom, but they're saying, you know what? When we look back, you've been good. You restored the fortunes of Jacob, verse 1. They were able to pinpoint times in their history when God came in a unique way. Even when their ancestors deserted God, he still pursued them, and he renewed his covenant with them. And as I look back, and as you look back in your life, in your world, God has pursued you. Oh, love, that wilt not let me go. And here in verse 2, he says, you have forgiven <clears throat> the sin of your people. You've been gracious. You've been merciful. You've been forgiving in that you've lifted the cloud of guilt from your people. Even knowing the worst about us, even knowing our past sins, you've lifted that from us. You covered all their sins, verse 2. You put their sins out of our sight. You provided a covering to atone for them, whether it was the tabernacle or whether it was the temple or whether it was the priesthood or the sacrificial system. Lord, you've provided for us. So I think we're saying to you, whatever your world has been like, your history, your context, your culture, your ethos, God has been good to you. You have taken away wrath and anger. God took his threats, his cooling, hot, righteous anger back. These folks were becoming God-centered. 
When they began to count their blessings, they became focused on God, and they're God-centered, and the rehearsing and recalling God's goodness. It makes them recall and reflect with intelligent and earnest and heartfelt prayer. Now, while we and he has not glamorized in the past, one would have to say there was a greater spiritual awareness, certainly in this area, that I know. Greater spiritual awareness. Down in Richview Church, Presbyterian Church, or Ulsterville Presbyterian Church, people went to church in my world 40, 50 years ago. In the main, we don't do that today. That's the world. And there's all kinds of worlds now that live in this street alone. I park here most every other Saturday for another meeting. And what I'm saying, what I'm saying is a different world. Every decade, it has changed. Yet God remains constant. And you are that witness. Dr. Martin Lowe-Jones said at that period of time in London 54 years ago, there is no subject which is of greater importance to the Christian church at this present time than that of revival. He went on to say it should be the theme of our constant meditation, our preaching, and our prayers, because the need is great. You see the need. Do we feel the need? Or do we suffer from revival amnesia? They recall God's favor in the past. Secondly, they seek God's favor in the present. Verse 4 to 7. While the context of Psalm 85 is somewhat obscure, it does appear to be a national gathering where divine has been withdrawn, but yet it's been sought. While they applaud God's activity in the past, they're looking for something in the present. They're seeking a fresh visitation from God. They're saying, Lord, thank you for the past. It was good. Maybe not so good at times, but on the whole, we're very thankful, but we want you to do something now. Verse 4, restore us, revive us. Renew us again, O God, our Savior. They've been awakened and they want the favor of God now, so they they seek earnestly for it. What about our praying? Lloyd-Jones again, who influenced many of us and my generation said, we pray like people on holiday. Chilled. Cool. Listening to the mobile. You know, just... (laughs) We're just, we're just chilled. Lack of passion, a lack of earnestness, a lack of pursuing God. These men I watched 40, 50 years ago, they've left a legacy. I remember them and their wives as they pursued God. Felt the heat. All weird, but I felt the spiritual genuineness and reality and seeking of God. Keller, in his book, Center Church, I'm reading at the moment, says, we're always in need of spiritual renewal. 
because we have a tendency and a propensity to fall asleep. I have a favorite program on the television. It's on at half ten every Saturday night. It was quarter past ten last night. Match of the day. Or boring for some of you, I know. But I never see it all. I fall asleep. Sad. Usually when I'm watching Liverpool, I fall asleep. <laughs> and then I wake up and say, oh, it's Man United, we're okay. But what happened there? I realize I've been asleep. And it's only until you've wakened up that you realize you've been asleep. And I think the church is asleep at times. We don't know we're asleep because if not woken up, wakened up. Verse 5 is a prayer and a hope that God would not be exasperated with them and that his anger would be taken away. And that's why at the heart of the psalm, he's saying, Lord, we're about to enjoy our freedom. We're about to go back to Jerusalem. We're about to build the walls. But will you not revive us? About to build again. New venture again. New vision again. But we're seeking the favor of God in the present. When people are revived and renewed spiritually, God becomes real. There's a freshness about the spiritual disciplines. Not just reading and praying. The spiritual sluggishness that we so often feel seems to go, and the joy of the Lord becomes our strength. I just want to apply this in Galatians. Paul writes to the Galatians, and he says, where is all your joy gone? Piper says, fight for joy. I would say that we have biblical grounds for seeking revival. And we have biblical incidences here that encourage us right through the New Testament as well. We need to feel and sense the need. William Booth was the founder of the Salvation Army. And he analyzed the spiritual climate of the 20th century. He did an evaluation, an analysis of where he felt things were at spiritually. He concluded, it's a generation where we have a religion without the Holy Spirit. A Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, heaven without hell. Happy to live with a low level of spirituality that's dull and has lost its edge. I said yesterday, they went around the churches as well as the encouragements I sensed a spiritual tiredness even disillusionment even among the most thoughtful cynicism life had been tough stuff has happened to their families and in them and they had lost their joy 
What about you? Happy to live, maybe, with a level of spirituality that's dull. And that's why the psalmist is saying, will you not revive us? Restore us. And that's why he's seeking the favor of God. Show us, verse 7, show us your unfailing love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. And when revival comes, Brian Edwards said in his book, people get satisfied with God. The glory of God, and the majesty of God, and the sovereignty of God, and the uniqueness of God, they get satisfied with God. Habakkuk says, will you not revive your work in the midst of the years? So revival praying seems to have gone off the table. The word revival terminology doesn't seem to certainly cannot be worked up. It cannot be induced. It's God's prerogative. When these people prayed for revival 40, 50 years ago, were they just sentimental? Were they deluded? No, there were desires there. There were passions there. They'd watched their parents be impacted by the awakening of God's Spirit here. I answer to my question, yes, on the grounds of this psalm and many other passages. Thirdly, what do we got to do with this? We've got to listen for God's favor in the future, year 12. What do we got to do with this? So we're saying we've got to recall God's favor in the past. Thank you, God, for the past. Some of it's been tough. We're seeking God's favor in the present, but we're going to listen for God's favor in the future. Listen, what do you mean, Freddie? That sounds so mystical. Looking back should awaken us to reflect. Seeking God now should arouse us to pray. But we need, verse 8, to listen. The psalmist says, I will listen to what the Lord will say. A.W. Tozer said, we have an articulate God who's always speaking, but we're not always listening. We're busy. The writer to the Revelation, John, says, he that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. The Spirit is always speaking. Are we good listeners? Holy Spirit, the last thing I said yesterday, those, were, those folks were here. Let us not be afraid of the Holy Spirit. If some have gone crazy, we have somehow been afraid of him. If we agree that revival cannot be self-induced or initiated by us, we are still responsible to listen. Let me tell you a story. We went off a few months ago to see our missionaries in Europe, Linda and I, Mervyn Scott and his wife, and so we went off to meet them. Andrew and Ruth Reed were there, your missionaries who we love, and Andrew spent two years with me, which was great, and Hamilton Road and Bangor, and folks from France were there, the Moors, 
and also the Elliots. And here's what happened on the plane. I don't come out good here, but here's what happened. Once we get on the plane, I'm sitting on this side. So, Mervyn's on that side, I'm on that side. So these two beautiful girls come out, and they're going to do what they do. You know, uh, it's going to come over the radio in the state of an emergency. This will happen. Your mask will come down, and you'll put it on you. Don't go near the children. You must do that yourself. Now, when these girls are doing this, I'm talking to the next person. I'm saying, oh, right, oh, you're from Cullibacky. Yeah, I used to live in Ballymena, right, okay. Do you know so-and-so? Who I? And so he's talking away. I'm talking away. I look over because I think Mervyn's got the same temperament as me. He's talking away. He's talking to his next door neighbor. Now, my wife's a teacher. Serious. Analytical, as I said. She is our pamphlet out. She's all, she's been on a plane hundreds of times, every time, picks it out of the pocket and listens. Right, and she's going down there. I'm talking, Mervyn's talking. Guess what? In the state of emergency, what am I going to do? Linda, what do I do here? <laughs> she's so gracious sometimes. She, she, she would probably say, you should have been listening. It's the story of my life, believe it or not. But you know what? We're not listening to God. I, I'm not going to give a guilt trip, but I'm, that's real. We're talking to everybody. We're doing all the stuff. We're getting on with life, and you say, Freddie, that's okay. I have three kids. It's difficult. I appreciate that. But we need to listen. Spirit witnesses with my spirit that I am God's child, and he wants to influence me and empower me and fill me and use me. But guess what? I'm talking to everybody else. So I'm not hearing. And if that happens, I will, according to verse 8, I will return to my father. Now they're free. They're actually more vulnerable that they're free. Experience, their experience in captivity could have made them cynical about life. Stuff that's happened to you could make you cynical. You have a choice. Their history could leave them with a bad taste in their mouth, or it could give them a healthy fear of God. So in verse 9, they say, God's salvation is near to those who fear him. Life and all that happens to us can rob us of our joy. In fact, Paul says in Galatians, recover your joy. David said after he had blown it in Psalm 51, restore to me the joy of my salvation. And when revival comes, people get excited about God. Let me tell you 
Saturday week ago, about 200 yards over the road there. I left the Great Victoria Street induction halfway. Most people knew where I was going. And Lindsay were playing Korean in the final. Now, I'm sort of passionate about this team. And when they scored, I got excited. Hey, it's about a ball. I wonder where our spiritual excitement has gone. I'm accepting life is tough at times. I'm accepting there are rhythms and our experiences that don't always make us feel like being passionate. But I think this verse is saying, revive us again so that we may rejoice in you. Enjoy the message and I'm going to conclude by reading just the paraphrase of the end of this psalm. I can't wait his people well. The holy people he loves so much and they'll never again live like fools. See how close his salvation is to those who fear him. Our country is home base for glory. Love and truth meet in the street. Right living and whole living embrace and kiss. Truth sprouts green from the ground. Right living pours down from the skies. Oh yes, God gives goodness and beauty. Our land responds with beauty and blessing. Lord, you have been favorable. We have biblical ground. Historically, geographically, good sources that say that God can awaken us and arouse us. We must recall his favor in the past. We must seek his favor in the present. And we must listen for his favor in the future. Let's pray. Let's take a moment or two just to respond to God's word. Father, we thank you that you are a living God. We thank you that you are the living God of every generation. We thank you for our past. Some of it has not been so good. But you have providentially had your hand upon us. We thank you for the present with all its challenges and its difficulties. We thank you that you are in our present. But Lord, we pray for our future. We thank you that our times are in God's hands. But we pray that at the heart of our past, our present, and our future, we might be like the psalmist. Pray for an awakening, a renewing, a reviving of our spiritual life so that we might find our joy in you alone.